Hey man, got a quick question for you. What would you do with an extra hundred thousand dollars? No, you don't have to go embarrass yourself on TV at a wrestling camp. No, you don't have to win any challenges out in the desert. All you've got to do is go to savewithconrad.com. You may not realize it, but there has been six figures of savings hiding in your own house. No, it's not in your junk drawer. It's not in your attic. It's not in your basement. It's in your mortgage. You're overpaying your single biggest bill and you may not even realize it. Here's a quick test for me. Do me a favor. Take your monthly payment and multiply it by 360. That big, scary number you're looking at, that's what you're really paying for your house. That's what we call the total of payments. When you add up all 30 years of your existing mortgage, that big, scary number is what you're actually paying. When you see that, you'll realize, uh, Houston, we have a problem. But don't worry. If you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out SaveWithConrad.com while Dave Silver revolves it. Okay, that was corny. But the point is, I can get you out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. If you're in a 30-year loan right now, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. I'm routinely helping people get interest rates in the twos and cut years. You hear me? I said years of unnecessary house payments off of their loan. Here's my question. If you can keep paying roughly the same monthly payment, but pay your house off years faster, why wouldn't you do that? Keep more of your own money. Really think about what it takes to save $100,000. Now, if you don't do this, you're going to work for that money, pay taxes on it, and then just give it away. Why would you do that? Set yourself up for real financial peace, for real financial freedom, and get rid of your single biggest bill, your mortgage. By the way, we're routinely helping our listeners get rid of all their credit card debt. And I'm talking about mean, nasty, ugly credit card debt that's 18, 19, 20, 21% interest. If you've made a minimum payment on your credit cards this year, you owe it to yourself to run the numbers right now at SaveWithConrad.com. I'm routinely helping people pay their house off faster by getting rid of their other consumer debt, like car loans and credit card debt. They're saving five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. Oh yeah, still going from a 30-year loan to a 15-year loan. Now you don't need perfect credit to do this. You don't need money out of your pocket to do this, but you do need to spend 10 minutes right now. Just let us run the numbers for free at savewithconrad.com. It's no cost, no obligation. And if we can't help you out, we won't waste your time. We've recently been able to approve credit scores in the 500s and oh yeah, you even get to skip your next two house payments. So why wouldn't you do this? It's a no brainer. It's savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And did I mention we're licensed in 40 states? Yes, that probably includes your state too. Check it out right now at SaveWithConrad.com. There's no better time to say I love you and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate StevenSinger.com and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready-for-love engagement ring collection that is no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he's recently kicked everything up a notch to better service friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee. 
and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning. Gifts that say, I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. <laughs> what a rip. No, yeah, but me. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. It, it, it. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shit. Fuck him. you, Bruce. I love Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Heck is Conrad. Man, I'm so excited uh, that you're here. We're talking about The Rock today from 1999. How fired up are you about this one, man? If you smell what the Bruce is cooking. I feel like somebody heard it in the background because you got a text right in the middle of that. That's probably Vince saying in the middle. It's probably Vince saying, get the fuck back to the office. Where'd you go? Well, you know what? No, it's actually that that actually was your friend, old Double B. Okay. Well, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still looking for that boot. <laughs> Tell oh, it. oh, I'm still looking for the double B. I'm still looking for that boot. Tell him to work me a dizzy old. I got the first intercontinental and I shouldn't have that. Y'all should. I, I pitched him a few ideas. And now he acts like he ain't all of a sudden in charge of that type of thing. Maybe you should have pitched him a couple of ideals. Well, I mean, I even pitched you on what the ideals were and you were like, why didn't you do that? And I said, I don't know, but he needs to do that. Well, send it to me in a text and that way it can interrupt me in the middle of my podcast and, uh, I'll get it to him that way. Okay. I can do that. By the way. I know we originally promoted that today's episode was going to be rocks 99, 2000 ladies and gentlemen, when I finished our research this week, it's 40 pages. So guess what? Today it's rock 99. 
we're going to do rock 2000 another time. Uh, don't you dare worry. We're still going to cover it. And I know what you're thinking. You said that about Kevin Nash. Well, thankfully time didn't end. Kevin Nash will be finished. Don't you dare worry. We've got all the notes. We're just waiting for, waiting for the right time. And, uh, after such a big show, we're going to have today, the rock. Do you want to guess what we're doing next week, Bruce? Well, j- tell me the honky. I'm terrible at guessing these days there, Connie, the honky tonk man. He's just a honky tonk man. He's a honky tonk man. He's a honky tonk man. He's a honky tonk man. I just honky tonk man. I'm cool. I'm cocky. I'm bad. I love those old school profiles on some of our favorite characters from the eighties. You're getting him next week, boys and girls, the honky tonk man. Stay tuned. You're going to get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. And allegedly Bruce, a little birdie told me we might be doing some bonus content this weekend. It could be Carrie Von Eric, could be SummerSlam 92, could be Miss Elizabeth, but there is some good stuff coming over at adfreeshows.com. Isn't that right? Well, that's what I heard. I don't know about these damn birds. They I try to like get all that shit blocked out and everything, but sometimes they like chirp outside the window. Let's get to it, man. Coming into 99, The Rock is on top of the wrestling world. He's the WWF world champion, having won it back in November at the Survivor Series and the world title tournament. Arguably one of the best one night show angles ever. We've covered it in our archives. Don't you dare miss it, including the tink heard around the world. Uh, he's the top heel. Jerry Briscoe will whip your ass for that. Hey, you named it that, not me. I didn't name it. I just described it. Oh, allegedly there's going to be some Jerry Briscoe action, uh, later this fall or early winter over at adfreeshows.com as well. Anyway, let's talk about the rock. He's the top heel in the company and well, arguably the entire wrestling business. You know, you go back just two short years prior to this, he's debuting at survivor series 96 and he looks quite different. He's the blue chipper. He's Rocky Maivia. Fast forward two years and man, there's been all these different machinations of the rock. You know, we tried it as the white meat baby face that didn't necessarily work. We had die Rocky die chance and signs fast forward. He joins the nation of domination. When he comes back, now he's a heel. He starts to come into his own becomes the rock. We've talked about all of that, but what a special night it is on the roughly two year anniversary, having debuted at survivor series 96 and now by 98. He's on the top of the wrestling business. That's a pretty meteoric rise. Is it not? Probably, you know, when you, when you look back and you look at guys that, uh, broke in, I'll even go back into the territories where a guy like Gino Hernandez had a meteoric rise. And that was partly due to the area being a local guy there in Houston, Texas and having the heritage that he had. Then, you know, you had second generation wrestlers that would come in like the Von Erics, who had a meteoric rise in the Dallas Fort Worth area and rock came in third generation, first third generation wrestler who had, he had it all. Um, he had the looks, he had the charisma, he had the work ethic, he had everything. Brother, uh, I don't think that anyone could compare to the rise, the time frame, but also the sustainability and growth outside of our business that Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, 
had. And in this period, two very short years became the hottest thing in the business. It really is unbelievable when you think about it. And a lot of younger fans probably only know the rock as the big time actor who came back to the company a few years ago, but here for a long stretch, he's the most hated guy in the WWF. And we saw every version of him possible overall. Did you prefer his work as a heel or a baby face? As a heel, he was a baby face and as a baby face, he was a heel. So the, the bastard was entertaining enough that it really didn't matter. The only thing that defined him in that role was his opponent. Whoever his opponent was, if the opponent was Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was a mega baby face, then by God, um, you know, shit, he's going to be a heel. But if you slide him in against Triple H or somebody uh, in between, then by God, it's uh, he's going to be a fucking baby face. We've got to mention, you know, as we, uh, come into 99 rock is now the crown jewel of the corporation. Of course, he has uh, sort of recreated the Montreal screw job and joined uh, this evil empire, the corporation. And he's also, as a result of that match and the screw job finished from deadly game at survivor series, the finale to crown a champion, he's now at odds with mankind. And this is going to be an interesting era in 99 because we're going to see the ministry and the corporation and then the corporate ministry. And of course you've got Ken Shamrock's group. I mean, there's a lot of factions and it feels like that's sort of what Vince is, ha- is into and has a flavor for it, maybe because of the NWO on the other channel. Why do you think there were all these stables popping up in the company? Is it the influence of the NWO? It was more of an influence of looking at different guys and having a lot of similarities and having a lot of like talent, so to speak, that you could do with groups. You could have your factions group with a lot of different guys being involved. Out of that, you've got your singles, you got your tag teams and all this other bullshit, but it was easier to mix and match. It also made it a lot easier for television because you didn't necessarily have to put your top guys in the forefront. They could always be in the background stirring it, but you had enough people within the faction that you could mix and match without giving away marquee matches. By now you remember that I've given my mom a hand-painted portrait of her favorite dog, Lexus. Yes, my mom named her dog Lexus. No, the dog is not a stripper. It's my mom's baby, and it was a big deal for her to get that. And I knew it would be a big deal because when I was gifted a hand-painted portrait from PaintYourLife.com last year for my birthday, I thought it was the coolest gift I've ever been given. I'll never forget where I was when I got it and who gave it to me, and it's hung with pride in my dining room right now in a beautiful frame. We get tons of compliments on it whenever we have folks over You've got to check this out for yourself. Bruce even got one for his daughter and it's of her favorite dog, Rowdy. Yep. Like Rowdy, Roddy Parker. Now I got to tell you, when I first heard over at paintyourlife.com, you could get an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from a photo. Probably thought the same thing you did. Great idea. Probably cost too much. Not true. 
you can get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. And if you want to give a really meaningful gift, you've just got to try PaintYourLife.com. There you'll see that you can choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. They've got a really easy user-friendly platform. That's going to let you order a custom made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It's a quick and easy process and you get the hand-painted portrait in just about three weeks and they'll do it of any photo, man. You can get a painting of yourself, children, family, special place, cherished pet, or you can combine photos into one painting. It makes a perfect birthday or anniversary or wedding gift. If you're looking to give something that's meaningful, personal, and will be cherished forever, look no further than PaintYourLife.com. I should mention too, at PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 64000. That's wrestle to 64,000 text wrestle to 64,000 paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. We should also mention that this is probably born out of necessity a little bit, the corporation, I mean, because you know, the thing that really sort of swings the pendulum in your favor on raw is the whole evil boss persona, the Mr. McMahon character. And Stone Cold Steve Austin rebelling against that as the everyday working man and everybody hates their boss, blah, blah, blah. So I say all that to say it's probably pretty critical or pretty important that if we've got this dynamite character in Vince McMahon or, or Mr. McMahon and he can cut a great promo and he can get quote unquote heat, you could build people around him. So that's probably how the whole corporation comes to be right. It's not like you want to put Vince McMahon in competitive matches on TV every week, certainly not on house shows. So if you can have, you know, him sort of collect players along the way, well, now there's a way to get the heat on this Mr. McMahon character, right? And you're able to tell the story on television, have a television story that's unique to TV and to pay-per-view the same time you've got stars that you're building all around that, that are making the live events and able to go out and do the night, night in, night out road drill. Let's talk a little bit about where the rock is as we head in the 2000. We mentioned he's just won the world title at survivor series. Of course that happens when they do the screw job finish, he turns heel joins Mr. McMahon. And of course, Shane McMahon that sets up a rematch between mankind and rock at the rock bottom pay-per-view in December of 98. And during that match on pay-per-view mandible or mankind gets the mandible claw on the rock. Easy for me to say. And the referee calls for the bell and mankind is declared the winner. However, before mankind could be announced as the new champion, Vince gets on the microphone and says, because the rock didn't submit to the hold, the rock would remain champion. Feud continues. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to unpack here. We know what's coming with the Royal rumble. You know, it wasn't all that long ago. It felt like you guys weren't completely sold on even hiring quote unquote cactus Jack. And now fast forward here. And I got to ask, why is he the perfect foil for the rock as his first sort of feud? Once he's champ and you go back a year prior, he was doing this for Steve Austin, when he was first champ, 
it feels like as soon as Austin wins, let's get him mankind or dude, love whoever Foley. As soon as rock wins, let's get him Foley. Why was Foley the right guy to challenge for the world title? Whether you're going up against a baby face, Steve Austin or a heel rock. Well, I think it's a testament to Mick Foley's character and his work in the ring, but also the way that he was able to work his characters, whether it be mankind, dude, love, Cactus Jack, or just plain old Mick Foley. And that, that's a testament to Mick's ability to adapt to whatever storyline that he was put in. And by this time, you're getting to the point where, man, Mick Foley is, you have, he has to be in the conversation of the Stone Cold Steve Austins, The Rock, The Undertakers, Triple H, and Mankind. Those are your five pillars at this time that you're looking at going, all, all of those guys could arguably be, you could arguably at any time say that one of those could be the top guy. Well, in a traditional sense, the top guy is the champ and the rock is champ here. Of course, we know that Austin's got a little situation. He's on the shelf and that really paves the path for, well, he could be the top guy in the whole business. And that's interesting to think about, especially when you're just two years in, was there any concern? Oh, this guy's not ready. Oh, he's still wet behind the ears. Oh, he hadn't paid his dues. Or did Vince not have any apprehension on the rock at this point? I think all the above, there were a lot of guys that thought that rock coming in and rock gaining the spot, if you will, in wrestling vernacular of the only reason he's got that is because of whose old man, whose grandfather were. The only reason he's got that is because Pat Patterson brought him in. The only reason he, bullshit. The reason he got that is because he was able to go out there and he was able to captivate an audience. You stuck a microphone in his hand and people shut up and listened. So you can have the best shit in the world written. If it's not delivered well, it doesn't mean anything. And Rock had the ability and the talent to take what was written for him and to make it more, to make it his own, and deliver that better than anybody else. So there was a lot of jealousy. I think that there were a lot of guys who had been in the business longer, journeymen, veterans, that thought, ah, man, you know, this kid coming in and he's doing all this stupid you know, raising his eyebrow and uh, the rock says this and uh, silly people's elbows and bullshit like that, that there was a lot of resentment. There was a lot of jealousy. I don't give a fuck, man. He, he was over. Audiences paid to see him and reacted when he spoke. No doubt about that. Let's get started with the year. This is 1999. Let's go to January 4th. We would see mankind defeat the rock to win the world title for the very first time. This is a tape show. And at the end of the show, Steve Austin's going to come to the ring to arguably the loudest pop in wrestling history. He gets in the ring, picks up a chair, hits the rock in the head with it. Mankind pins him for the win. This is a major, major moment in wrestling for a variety of reasons. One, the Steve Austin ovation is unlike anything you've ever heard. Two, we've got a pretty big situation here where, I mean, it really is the boyhood dream, so to speak. 
we've seen over the prior two and a half years, you know, Mick Foley's real life, as we saw old videos of him jumping off a house and pretending to be dude love. And he had those sit down interviews with Jr. and we've gotten to know him as a, a person and a performer. And he went from this hated heel to now this beloved figure. He celebrates the title win with the old yo, Adrian, I did it. I mean, pretty big damn deal from a guy who maybe allegedly wasn't even high on the must have list once upon a time. And now he's the world champ. How, how thrilled was Mick with this opportunity? The human being Mick Foley, I think was ecstatic. And it was something that as that kid, like I think a lot of people listening to this can relate to dreamed of one day becoming a superstar and becoming the guy. And and you don't just stop dreaming at, I want to be in the ring and I want to wrestle. You take it all the way to, I want to be the champ. I want to be the guy. I want to be the one cutting the promos about, you know, I know that I can walk down any street in any city in America, in the world, and know that I can beat any man walking that street. Um, Everybody dreams of that. And this was Mick's dream come true as a kid, as a human being, and to actually realize that is a talent. Uh, The acceptance of your peers, the acceptance of the audience, to to feel that, I I know it meant an awful lot to him. It, It was a huge deal. It really is pretty remarkable. Of course, this has now become one of the more infamous moments in wrestling history because on the other channel, Nitro is live, whereas Raw is taped and your great close personal friend, Noah Anthony Schiavone, would famously spoil the win and said something like, uh, if you're thinking about even changing the channel to our competition fans, do not, because we understand that Mick Foley, who wrestled here at one time as Cactus Jack is going to win their world title. Huh. That's going to put some butts in the seats. And at that moment, it's been said more than half a million people switched from nitro, which was going to have Hulk Hogan versus Kevin Nash in the main event at the Georgia dome. And it's live by the way, instead to see a tape of Mick Foley win the world title. Obviously you guys couldn't have been happy with anybody playing dirty pool or whatever you want to call it. And of course, Bischoff sort of made that his calling card once upon a time, giving taped results of raw and a live nitro, but this one, well, it had a different result, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. And you know, it, it kind of flies in the face of what those of us in the business have always kind of clung to is that live is better. And I will still argue, uh, to this day and beyond that live is better. Live has a different energy. Live has a different feel. It's you're out there without a net and it's different than tape. So, Eric, yeah, Eric had, had made a, a habit of, or in the early days of Nitro, acknowledging that we were tape and acknowledging what we had recorded the week before and giving away the, the results. This one, well, this one was uh, not so much a fuck you, but a thank you. Because <laughs> it, 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 was, it was good. It was something that they said, okay, 
what would I rather see? Would I rather see uh, The Rock and Mick Foley and a new champion crowd, or would I rather see uh, Kevin Nash and, and Hulk Hogan? I don't really care. Um, and I believe they were doing their immediate replays anyway. Shit, I can watch it a couple hours later, but I want to watch this now. So that was that helped. Definitely helped. So thank you. Let's go a few weeks later. January 24th, the Royal Rumble. It's a rematch here for the Rock and Mankind for the uh, world title. It's an I Quit match. And this winds up being one of the more brutal matches of all time. We've talked about this in long form. Uh, check it out in our archives if you'd like. Uh, it's 21 minutes, 46 seconds. The gist is they play a tape from a Mankind promo earlier in the night when Foley has the mic in front of him, his lifeless body. So it seems that the rocket shoved it down there and they play the tape over the PA. I quit and I quit. So it's a screw job finish, but that's not really the story. The story is, and it's hard to watch now, brutal chair shots to the head over and over and over again. And Meltzer would crucify it as a lot of people do. If you go back and watch it. We don't know. We didn't know what we know now about head trauma. We should say that. And thankfully, I don't think we'll ever see anything like this ever again. What were you thinking watching that match live? I know we've talked about it before, but it's worth briefly touching on here. Yeah. A lot of cringing. Uh, it, it was, it was violent. It was brutal and very, you know, look, it's not just difficult to watch now. It was difficult to watch back then. It was something that you were like, okay, I've seen it. Enough is enough and move on. But it was ugly is the best way to describe it. And Barry Blaustein went on to, to make that a focal point of beyond the mat. Um, yeah. It's just, it's hard to watch. It really is. And, and even being quote, hardcore in the business type stuff, nothing, nothing will prepare you for that. It, it just was a testament to the toughness of Mick Foley. And that's not always good. There's no better time to say, I love you. And the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say, I hate stevensinger.com and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step. Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That is no hassle, no risk expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he's recently kicked everything up a notch to better service friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning. Gifts that say, I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers, 
That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Let's also mention there is a little bit of uh, hurt feelings on the other end of this. Mick Foley would write about it in his book where he didn't feel like The Rock took care of him and maybe The Rock took some liberties. And I'm sure they've fixed it over the years. But do you remember hearing anything about there being some hurt feelings at the time? At the time, no. And I think that there was a there was an overall feeling from probably everyone involved in the match and, and those around the business. It may have been a little too much that you look at it at the time, and this was something that both guys really wanted to do. Sounds great on paper before you actually do it, but when you're in the middle of it, it's 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 hard to get that eraser out and and change what you have written in your mind. So you, you go through with it. Um, and, and in fairness, he probably, uh, you know, listen, I've never talked to the rock about this, but I assume he probably got a little bit caught up in the moment and you're running on adrenaline and crowd reaction. And you know, you sort of get lost in it and it's not like you can properly communicate with this person who is, is quote unquote selling. So I mean, I could see how it would happen, but I also feel like if, if, if somebody was really hurt or there were hurt feelings, that there's probably going to be a conversation after. Well, I would hope so. And in the moment, in the heat of the action, it is, it is oftentimes hard to, hard to say. I, I remember Mick Foley coming back after the hell in a cell match with undertaker in Pittsburgh and having thumbtacks all over him. And saying to me, hey, I apologize for not getting the thumbtack spot. Right. It's like, uh, Mick, you did get the thumbtack spot and they're stuck all over you. So in the heat of the moment, you don't always know. You ask a guy, are you okay? Right. They say, yeah, I'm fine. Let's go. Right. Um, In the heat of the moment, he may have just been saying, yeah, I'm okay. Let's go. Maybe he didn't say anything because he didn't say anything. Then he's good. Um, when someone's hurt, they'll say, no, I'm hurt. Yeah. And some guys don't want to do that. Well, not only that too, but you got to remember Nick may not have, I mean, listen, he clearly got a concussion during this. So he's probably not where he can properly communicate and rock, not knowing what we know about head trauma. I guess the reason I keep giving a caveat there is. I'm trying to say, I don't think the rock intentionally meant to do permanent harm to anyone. <laughs> you know, I know that sounds silly, but the rock has been crucified for this over the years. And it was a different time where we didn't know what we know now, and I, it'll never happen again, but it's just hard for me to imagine that anyone would maliciously and purposefully with, with bad intent, do anything to Mick Foley, if that makes sense. I know for a fact, I mean, I, no one can sit there, but I, I know, I know rock, I know Mick and I don't even think that they could convince me, uh, that rock could convince me. Yeah. I wanted to take his head off. I I wouldn't believe it. Right. No, I just, I know that there was a lot of respect and admiration between the two and both are professionals. So you couldn't convince me that, um, that rock was like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to take liberties and swing at the guy without having, they did discuss it ahead of time and had an idea of how brutal it would be. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's just worse in real life folks. And 
people get carried away trying to trying to paint a picture right that they have in their head that sometimes they can't they can't see you can't see the forest for the trees and there is also the old um it's not who goes over it's who got over deal and if you're trying to build the hey the rock is mankind i mean not the rock but mankind is rocky and he has no you know he's not there's no quit in him you, you can't he's <coughs> never going to do that so supposedly they had agreed on five chair shots. It becomes 11 and there's hurt feelings. The other thing that's of note here that we have touched on, and I, I want to move on from this, but beyond the mat, Barry Blaustein is there filming Mick's wife, Colette and, and the kids all ringside watching their husband and dad get obliterated by the chair. And man, that's kind of hard to watch in the movie in hindsight. Do you think Vince regrets allowing Blaustein to film the family here? Cause it doesn't exactly paint the best picture of the company. Yeah. And, and we've done, you know, a whole podcast on that movie in yeah. and of itself. And, and I will still stand by. It wasn't represented. It was going to be a documentary and something that was going to be in film houses and art houses, not distributed commercially. So yes, the answer to that question is yes, because I think that people will often gravitate to the negative and the sensationalistic um, of anything. Just that's easy. You know, people want to see that. People want to see what they're not supposed to see. People want to, they are, are intrigued with negativity, which is sometimes hard to comprehend, but I get it. And. So, yeah, I think that they portrayed this in a way, in a way, but I don't know it was an accurate way. Let's talk about raw the next night. The rock is going to defend the title against triple H in an I quit match. Rock's going to get the win in nine minutes and nine seconds. Rock does the corporate elbow, uh, using the hammer on the ring bell. Triple H comes back with a pedigree pedigree on the floor is used here and they're teasing a pedigree on the table. When Kane comes in with the corporation has China up for the choke slam. And they said, unless triple H quit, Kane would choke slam China. So he quit. And then China gives triple H a low blow. And then she joined the corporation. So good storytelling here. Let's talk about January 31st. We've had so many requests to talk about this. It's halftime heat. This is such a big deal. It's a match from the WWF happening in the middle of the Super Bowl. Of course, it's not the actual Super Bowl. You had to change channels, but still don't watch the silly halftime show. Flip it over here and watch halftime heat. The rock is going to defend his world title against mankind. And of all things, an empty arena match. And you're welcome. In 99, that felt like a really big deal. Now it's called Monday. Um, Tell me what you remember about halftime heat, whose idea it was, how it came to be, and uh, what you thought of the actual execution here. Well, the opportunity arose to do something. Uh, there was, I believe it was MTV that might have done it first, that put on alternate musical act and a different show that was advertised, hey, this is not going to start until the Super Bowl 
goes goes into halftime. But over here, you know, there you can watch Madonna or whoever. But over here, we've got Aerosmith. We've got the Rolling Stones. We, it was it was interesting. So why not play into that and work with our partners to try and say, hey, let's grab some of that audience that's watching the Super Bowl that may not be interested in what they have during halftime because that could be a time that people get up and go and shit and fart and get some more pizza and beer. Um, let's give them something else to watch. Help that, you know, we taped it. Obviously, uh, we didn't have to sit there and wait and go live and worry about those cues. We taped it, made it perfect. But uh, I thought it was a hell of an idea, and it, and it was something that I thought worked really well. The empty arena match was something that had been done in Memphis with Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk. My eye! Good God, Lance, my eye! Your mother's a whore, Lawler! Um, egg sucking dog. Uh, so it was, it was something that had been done before and thought it was the perfect foil for Mick and rock. It's really a cool innovation. You know, it's not really an innovation as you sort of alluded to. It's the old Terry Fong, Jerry Lawler, but there's a whole generation of folks who never saw it. What did Vince think of an empty arena match? Uh, well, back in the day, it was called WCW, but, um, just thought what, well, you know, it was a different presentation and we were able to dress it up enough that you tell the story of why it was an empty arena match. And the reason it was an empty arena match was so there wouldn't be any interference and, and just make this between these two. And it's, it's so heated, uh, situation. I don't know. I loved it. I loved it because it was a little bit nostalgic for me and having loved the Lawler, Terry Funk deal. And I really did want to get, and Mick did too. We, we wanted to get an homage to Terry Funk in there somehow, some way. So it was fun. I, I just thought it was a great idea that people in, in this generation, certainly on a national level had never seen before. Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet, too. You could get arrested and incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking and designate a sober driver or call a taxi. If you know someone who's been drinking, take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. We all know the consequences of driving drunk, but there's one thing for sure. You're wrong. If you think it's no big deal, drive sober or get pulled over. This message was brought to you today by NHTSA. It is kind of fun. You've got Vince on commentary for quote unquote heat, which is obviously not the norm. Why did Vince feel like he should do commentary just to explain the storylines and nobody can sell it quite like he can, or 
What's the thing? Well, that and also, you know, you've got the corporation here and Rock being a part of that and be able to put that heel character, Mr. McMahon, out there. Plus, it lended a bit of credibility to the match that if you were going to get some outside, you know, outside of our norm viewers on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday early evening that are tuning in to sample this, don't want to watch football and they're clicking through, seeing what's on. And all of a sudden you've got these two guys beating the shit out of each other in an empty arena. Uh, Vince, Vince helped in that regard with that character. The uh, funny thing in this whole commentary is when the rock or yeah, the rock takes a, dr- a swig of Jack Daniels. McMahon claims that's not real liquor. The rock doesn't drink. It's just, just fucking hilarious. Uh, there is the, but in the, reality, it probably fell out of Jr's bag, but he drinks crown Royal. Everybody listening to this knows he'll drink whatever the fuck you got. All right, let's run a timeout right now. What's the heat with Jr? No heat with Jr. I love Jr. I love busting his balls, but I love Jr. There is absolutely less than zero heat with Jr. Love him to death. Always have. And I always will. At one point, I just like fucking with him. Oh, I know. He likes fucking with you back. Um, at one point, mankind rolls down 40 rows of seats. This is the big spot. Does anybody try to talk him out of that? As best you recall. Not necessarily talk him out of it, but just wonder how the fuck are you going to accomplish this? Cause it was ugly. It was ugly. And, and just, man, that's hard to do. Go down, taking bumps down steps and, and through all that shit. You just don't know. And Mick takes those awkward, crazy bumps that makes it even better in, in so many ways. And it was just be careful. He assured everybody he knew what the hell he was doing when in reality, he probably didn't. But that's the mystique of Mick Foley. Do people really think there's heat between me and Jr? Well, no, you just said it like, oh, Jr. I'll drink whatever you put in front of him, implying he will. But you're implying that Jim's a drunk. I I wouldn't classify Jim as drunk. Alcoholic. Um, (laughs) I'm kidding. God damn it! I'm sorry. uh, I know you don't have time, but you're going to get tweets about it on Thursday because he's going to light your ass up. No, because I love no, because I love Jr. And I'm not insinuating that in any way, shape, or form. I just absolutely love. Love busting his balls. Without Jim, frankly, I got uh, a bunch of shit the other day that someone sent me from. Matter of fact, ah, here I got to take a sidebar, Conrad. I don't even think I've talked to you about this, but our dear friend of the show, uh, my very, very close personal dear friend uh, and great all round guy, John Paul Shellnut, uh, suffered a, a severe stroke last week. Oh my God. And yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't talk to you about this before. Um, and he's, uh, he could use everyone's thoughts and prayers. Um, I wish I could say, Hey man, he's doing great, but he's got a tough, tough battle ahead of him, um, to regain uh, his functions and, and everything. So, um, he had actually sent me, which is why I even remembered to bring that up. And I, I'm sorry, I had forgotten to tell you, but, uh, he had sent me some stuff from 
the UWF back mid-Southways. Jim Ross had me doing the interviews at UWF and gave me a lot of opportunities and opened a lot of doors that probably wouldn't have been opened if it wasn't for Jim speaking up to the cowboy for me and, and sticking me in some things and give me an opportunity. So when I bust Jim's balls, it's out of love, it's out of respect. And when you, when you have a friend like that, you have someone that you can do that too. Then, so, you know, fuck your tweets and all your other shit. Uh, Jim and I are cool and, uh, always, always will be. And there's, there's a lot of love and respect there. Then getting back to JP Shellnut, please guys. Um, one of my one of my bestest friends in the whole wide world. He's he's going through a hell of a fucking battle right now. So, uh, any good thoughts and and good prayers and shit send his way. JP, I love you, and uh, I hope you I hope you're listening to this and know everybody here loves you. What a great guy! I hope he kicks out. We've we had so much fun with him. Well, every time we hung out, but specifically the time in LA. That dude, <sighs> he's another level man. Yeah, he's another level. All right. Let's get back to the show. The, uh, they've got a, a food fight. This feel, this feels like, uh, this has got Bruce Pritchard all over it. Is it Bruce who loves the food fight shit or is it Vince? Oh no, it's Vince. Vince, Vince loves him some food fighting. If there is, if there is any scene that goes through any place that has food and beverage, that shit's going to be used. It's remarkable that Vince is enamored with it. Now, listen, there's been a lot of criticism over the years and it even happens a little in this match. Guys are selling shots from popcorn. Now I understand that a live event. Have you ever fucking been hit with a bag of popcorn? At least once a year. Okay. Well, sometimes that shit gets in your eye. And like, if you get hit with the edge of a kernel, it could cause a very, very bad scratch that could possibly get infected. If you scratched it too much and that salt gets under your skin, the worst, the worst is right. Let me ask legitimately, was there any sort of, um, is it, is it, are guys just like, you know, ha ha in the back? Or there's some old timers who were like, what the fuck is this? It was an empty arena. There was no one there to sell. God damn it, Bruce. You know what I mean? When you're selling popcorn, why are you being so difficult? Hey, well, okay. Also, see, this is the other thing that we didn't get a reveal was inside that popcorn bag was two pounds of lead. Okay. Thank you. But listen, say that on the fucking show. Next time you have somebody sell mashed potatoes. Okay. These mashed potatoes have gluten. I don't know. He's got an allergy. <laughs> God damn it. Oh my God. It's full of gluten. <laughs> He's covered in gluten as God is my witness. Good God. They those are peanut butter cookies and he's got allergies. <laughs> That's at least something, you know? Hey, so the most criticized thing of the whole match though, is the silly angle when they use a forklift. And they've got beer kegs on a forklift. Mankind magically knows how to work a forklift. And he's going to lower these onto rock's chest. They're not going to show the impact. Of course, what they are going to show though, is the camera angle 
where the camera is on the forklift coming down at the rock and the rock was, uh, selling it big as you might imagine, but mankind was pretty critical of that shot and said he thought it ruined the whole thing. What'd you think of that last shot that has now become, I don't know, debated. Maybe that's the right word. It gets into essentially, you know, what, what, what do you like? And what I mean by that is it's entertainment. Right. So you, you can allow suspend your disbelief and just sit back and enjoy it. Who the fuck cares where the camera came from? So it's another angle. It's something else. And people forget sometimes that we're entertainment and you can take liberties. So to me, that's just another, it's another way to present what the hell we're doing. And didn't bother me. Let's get to, uh, Valentine's day massacre. It goes down a couple weeks after February 14th, Memphis, Tennessee, Mankind and rock are going to wrestle in a last man standing match. Mankind retains presumably going to a no contest here in 21 minutes and 54 seconds, three and three quarter stars. Meltzer would write it appeared. Neither would beat the 10 count, but both staggered up simultaneously delivered chair shots and both went down for the 10 count and the fans hated the finish booing heavily. He says they tried to sell the brutality of it with both going out on stretchers and being taken away in twin ambulances. They need to emphasize more on TV to their audience that nobody cares about winning and losing and get these poor souls in Memphis who didn't want a non finish who just don't get it. Still, you can't fault the work in this match. They were pulling out all the stops. They're working really, really hard here. I don't think they ever had a bad match. But I could see on pay-per-view where fans were upset with a non-finish, but it is a creative finish. Double chair shot winds up in double ambulances. What do you think? Hindsight being twenty twenty, I don't know. I don't look. Sometimes you have to do finishes that will further a story, <clears throat> and I don't know that the majority, the vocal minority will hate it. The people that, that read things from Northern California will hate it, but I don't think that they are the, they're not the majority. They're a very vocal minority that love to be heard by those that also like to be heard. So, it's it's a it's a chapter in a book. Not every chapter has a definitive finish and end. Some of it is a hook to take you to the next chapter. But it feels like there's been a lot of chapters to this book, and it's even called Last Man Standing. It does feel like there must be a winner, uh, but there's not. But let's move on. That's because no one could stand. Okay. Uh, Possible. What everybody remembers about that pay-per-view is not necessarily this, but it's the fact that the big show is going to debut in a big way and, uh, interfering Steve Austin and Mr. McMahon in a cage, by the way, 
um, the next night on raw mankind and rock have another rematch because fucking why not? Except this time it's a ladder match and now big shows here. So he's going to come down, choke slam mankind and rock grabs the belt. We should mention that raw does a 5.9 rating and an ever an 8.7 share nitro gets thumped. It only does a 3.9, but this is the highest rating like in this era, uh, so far. I mean, when you talk about combining them, the business is just gaining momentum. I mean, it felt like in 98, well, it can't get any bigger than this, but all the indicators as we march toward WrestleMania is it's going to be even bigger. It's pretty unbelievable. Is it not? Yeah, it was a climb that. I think that if you've been around the business and you believe in the cyclical nature of the business, this was a climb that, man, it was kept getting bigger and bigger because I'll give you an analogy and a comparison is, for example, in the Mid-South where they would build, 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 build to the Superdome, but yet nothing was big enough to fill the Superdome of 60,000 plus. It was big enough that would take it to 30,000, which was two and three times larger than any arena in the territory. Yes, and that, don't think in any way, shape, or form I'm <laughs> demeaning that because that's fucking insanity back in those days. But here you're at a point where you're going to 20,000 seat arenas you're going to stadiums you're, you're running all of these huge huge shows you're packing them and people are coming back for more and more and more and more so there was a clamoring for content there was a clamoring for uh more product and the business was just on fire all right listen up we all know that smoking sucks but it's really hard to quit. I grew up with a house full of smokers and my parents struggled with this my whole life. It wasn't until recent years that they finally kicked the habit. Now, if you're not as lucky as them and you're still trying to figure it out, I got a little pro tip for you. Lucy nicotine. It's a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers who were all looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally got tobacco alternatives that don't suck. They spent a lot of time in research and development on this. It's about three years because it was made for people, not patients. And the result, great flavors. Check this out. This nicotine gum has four milligrams of nicotine that come in wintergreen, cinnamon, or pomegranate. They've even got a cough drop. I'm sorry, that's what us rednecks call it. A lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine in a cherry ice flavor. So cherry ice, pomegranate, cinnamon, wintergreen, that's going to taste a lot better and you're not going to stink. Roll title nap. And it's convenient. It's discreet. You can enjoy these products anywhere. Flights, work, the gym. And that was the biggest downfall of my parents smoking to me. It's like everything we did in our life was dictated based on where they could smoke or who they could smoke with or around. We don't have to do that with Lucy nicotine. It's gum, man. It doesn't get any easier than that. It's 2020. It's time to get rid of your cigarettes. Unplug your vape, throw out your dip, get some Lucy nicotine gum, the lozenges. Stuff's the real deal. And a subscription comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple. 
And you don't even have to leave the house, man. Come on. Lucy has delivery down pat. And my something to wrestle with listeners can go to lucy.co and use promo code wrestle to get 20% off all their products, including the gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code wrestle at checkout. Also, I've got to read this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Uh, yeah. Lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code wrestle. It's really just unbelievable. And, um, we should mention Steve Austin defeating Mr. McMahon in the steel cage match earns him a title shot at WrestleMania. So now the stage is set. Now that the rock has won the world title. In this ladder match, he's the world champ, and he's going to defend against Steve Austin at WrestleMania 15. Is there any bigger main event than Rock Austin for WrestleMania? No. No, it was, without a doubt, the two most popular and hottest stars in the industry at that time. On, uh... March 15th on raw, see the rock and big show go to a double count out with Austin and mankind. And it's around this same time that another set of covers for television guide comes out and it's got the rock on the cover. Steve Austin's on a different one. Mankind's on one and Sable's on another. I don't think, and I know we've talked about this before, but it's hard to properly convey how big it was to be on the cover of TV guide. This is pre DVR. You couldn't just press a button on your remote and see everything that was on every channel and everything that was coming up on every channel. You had to like get that day's newspaper or have a TV guide. So this was like the hottest selling publication in the country. And to have these come out right around WrestleMania, that's one hell of a campaign. Is it not? Well, as you say, I think that a lot of our listeners are a lot of maybe a lot of our listeners who have children that never experienced a TV guide. <laughs> Do they even have TV guide, uh, published anymore? I don't think so. I, I see. I don't either. I, I, but if you can imagine every place that you went commercially into a supermarket, into a convenience store, um, they had newsstands all over the place back then, but wherever you went to check out, there was a TV guide, whether you bought it or not. Most people that, uh, read TV guide had it by subscription and delivered in the mail, not in on your computer, but in the actual mailbox, you know, where Conrad gets his check each month. Um, yeah, let's talk, mailbox. Let, let's talk about that. This podcast is the only podcast in the world that still issues disbursements by a paper check through the postal service. I can't help it. That that's how my bank does it. But you understand that they're not even delivering mail on a normal schedule right now. Like my buddy from Florida. Boy, you should turn on the news every now and again. Just saying. Conrad. Yes, sir. You know what I'm going to do when we're, when we say, uh, I don't say Shaka Khan anymore, but when I say rock, rock on. on, 
you're going to go back and start figuring out what to do with Roman Reigns tomorrow? I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> so that's our schedule here on something to wrestle. I get you as soon as you wake up or right before you go to bed. <laughs> Take your pick. I'm, I'm fine with it. That's what we ought to do. I, yeah, I, you know, I'm feeling sentimental tonight maybe because old JP shell nut, but you put up so much of my shit. <laughs> With a smile on your face while your world's crumbling around you and other shit. And I just say, well, yeah, no. I said, they'd be done at 5.30. That doesn't mean I'm done at 5.30. That means I, that I just get home before fucking tomorrow morning, mid-morning, for my three hours of sleep. The point is, we are committed to cranking this podcast out every week, even if it means we get you after you've had a few dream waters. I haven't had any yet though tonight. I'm, I'm going to wait until I say rock on. Well, let's do that next time. When we do honky talk, man, be a few dream water deep. Maybe it'll make you a little looser. Dude, I'll go right now and take 99 medicine. If you want that. No, sure. I don't because here's the deal. I know last night you slept 11 minutes. It's so. funny. Cause I saw a tweet earlier today that said, have you noticed since Bruce went back to WWE, it's not as funny as he was before. And I'm thinking he ain't having as much fun as he was before. It's hard to be funny when you've slept 11 hours. I mean, he slept through four Chuck Woolery two and two love connection commercial breaks. And now he's back at it today. Trying to figure out, all right, what are we doing with Roman or what, uh, what's going on with Billy Kay or whatever. And, and then somewhere in the middle, you need him to give you the chicken salad recipe. It's hard to fucking do that on command every week. Well, we find a way. Uh Let's keep going. I just had a lot. I just had to explain that to somebody the other day. Long, long explanation about that. I, I can't even call him an individual. Did you explain What's, it to the heater? No, I did. Well, wait a minute. Maybe I did. I bet it yes. was. Yes. Yeah. So how the fuck did you know that? <laughs> Cause he don't listen. And I, almost everybody else up there does. Okay. Got it. By yeah, the way, actually. Yeah. Don't fucking text me and ask me what that means. Don't tweet me and ask what that means. We just had a private conversation that I'll clip out of here. If I remember, uh, on the March 22nd raw, uh, we see the famous beer bath segment with rock Vince to chain in the ring, doing a promo. Austin drives the beer truck to the ring proceeds to shower them all with beer. What a famous sight events, trying to swim in it to get away. And of course, Austin said the beer turned to water after a period of time. Um, what a moment on raw. It's a big part of this era. It gets played in all the highlight reels. As far as you know, <laughs> did, did, did Vince have the, the swimming spot planned or did he just freestyle it? You're live, man. Go with it. Really? Yeah. That's tremendous, dude. I mean, it's not like you could rehearse it. Right. I, mean, I guess you could have, but. Would have been a hell of a cleanup. So nobody knew how how strong that hose was going to be hitting them. And that was a. It had a little power behind it. Well, everybody knows when that hose starts hitting. Wait a minute, it's Blue Chew's butt. Never mind. I'm so happy. I'm no, no, so no. Gay. Don't take the dream water yet. I can come every day. I'm your man. That's topical. I'm your mailman. I don't mess with keys locks. I'll just stick it in your box. 
I'm your mailman. I cut Conrad's check on the 27th. He gets That's it on the 20th. my sack is made of lead. He gets it around the 21st. Well, he's... it's the same time every month. So no. It's a big deal. Well, it's just interesting. Some days it's here in three days. Some days here is four weeks. I don't care. If I'm honest with you, most of the time I forget it's coming and it's a welcome surprise. Junk mail See coupon, that? junk mail coupon. Oh, check. Yeah, and it's not, and it's plain. It's like completely unmarked of any other fucking markings. Right? No, it is. It looks like you should you, throw it away. Yes. It looks yeah. like junk mail. You know, like come down to Landers McClarty Chevrolet and spend this check on a damn. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> this is an actual. Anyway, uh, what a moment. This beer bath. Are you done bitching at me? I'm trying to talk about the goddamn beer bath, and you've got ADD, and you're usually fun when you're like this, but I'm having trouble. You know, herding these cats today. This feels like the Ric Flair show. Are you in a bar? Are you drinking right now? Have you just had the calamari? What's happening right now? Are you you sipping salsa off chips? (laughs) That is a flair move. (laughs) Use the same chip to eat all the salsa because he doesn't want the carbs. Yeah. So chat me up. The beer bath. You got anything on it or do you want me to move on? No, man. The beer bath was the hidden meaning behind the beer bath was looking at Coors Light for a sponsor Mm. and hoping that, Hey man, look at the kind of advertising that we can give you. And this, this is the, the imprint. These are the impressions that you're going to get with us. So by doing the beer bath, it was to show them, we're not just going to drink your beer. We're going to do that. We're going to also say that fucking from the Colorado Rockies and all this other bullshit, that this is the best goddamn beer in the world, but we can do fun stuff with it too. So it was a, a means to an end and having that big motherfucker and <laughs> pumping that shit through was absolutely brutal because you had a big, long fucking hose that went all the way to the back that was shooting all this shit through. So it was uh, challenging to say the least, but you shot it in the back. Okay. I've got a pretty good idea how to fucking uh, work this gimmick, but the people in the ring getting shot, that was (laughs) their first time. What a fucking show, man. Um, later in the show, rock loses by DQ to mankind. When show choke slams him, we would also see Austin pin big show and shows first match in the company. And then rock hits Austin with the rock bottom to end the show. WrestleMania 15. Here we are one of three, I guess it's part one of a trilogy of rock and Austin here at WrestleMania. This one in 99, of course. Yeah. We had all that planned in 97. We were ready to do that a year earlier. Uh, the go home episode of raw on our way to WrestleMania 14, Austin would pin then intercontinental champion rock fast forward a year later. And they're not on the raw. They're in the main event here. Big deal. Steve Austin regains the world title 16 minutes and 42 seconds. Jim Ross is brought out to announce the main event gets a huge ovation. Um, Rock, I mean, Austin, it has to have JR on the call, does it not? Yeah, I think so. Big WrestleMania match, main event, put your main event announcer out there. 
three and a half stars. Meltzer says it was a really good main event, but not at the level of heat of their raw match last year or even their tag match in San Jose, uh, two weeks ago. But at this point with the baby face, Steve Austin, you know, he is the icon here. He's the person who's, he's the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. Rocks a heel. You got to have the baby face win in this era, right? You weren't having heels win in the main event of WrestleMania. Not back then. Well, Steve was red hot too, at this point and the rivalry for, you know, this, this chapter of that rivalry was now for the WWE championship. And before it had been for the intercontinental championship, it was, it was a little different in the chemistry that rock and Austin have had since day one. Yeah, it was a happy moment. It was it was happy, happy, joy, joy. 15, 17, 19, uh, the trilogy, WrestleMania, Rock Austin. Which of the three did you prefer? Probably going to be in the minority here, but I preferred this one. Really? Here's why. Yes. Well, here's why. Um, I didn't like. I love, I love 17 says WrestleMania 17 to me is the the best WrestleMania of all time. Um, but I didn't like the Mr. McMahon and Steve turn in WrestleMania, right? The last, the last one was special and it was great. Very sentimental to me, Mm -hmm. but as far as the match and as far as the story and everything going into it, this was the best match. The first one for WrestleMania the second one had probably a better story and the third one was more sentimental. But to me, this was the, this one was special because it was the first one, I think. All right, boys and girls, the new AEW unrivaled figures are out at Walmart. I can't believe this is actually happening, but you can go pick up AEW merch at Walmart. That's right. Your local Walmart has the young bucks action figures on the shelf. They've got Kenny Omega. They've got Cody and Brandy Rhodes. They've even got Chris Jericho and maybe the coolest thing they've got besides the ring to put all these dudes in and let them battle it out is the toy belt. I think that's so cool. looks great on the shelf, but it's also maybe the coolest toy belt I've ever seen. And the folks over at Jazzwares hope this is successful enough to keep this train rolling. Crank out series two and series three and series four. And I'm hopeful that somewhere in there, we get an Arn Anderson figure. We get a Tony Schiavone figure. Wait a minute. Did I say Tony Schiavone figure? Did you know Tony Schiavone has never had a figure? I am convinced that if this thing is successful enough, eventually we're going to get a Tony Schiavone action figure. If you're loving what we're doing on the podcast, I want you to run down to your Walmart, pick up the AEW unrivaled series one, and uh, be sure to pick up that toy belt too. And by the way, if they're out of stock, if they're sold out or nearly sold out, check the other Walmart. They're telling me these things are flying off the shelves. They're going to be super collectible from what I understand. They've got a chase figure and a rare figure, and that is going to be highly sought after one day. I think we're talking like 500 of those made total or something silly. Uh, you got to check this out. By the way, if you can't find them at any of your area Walmarts, you can find them at ringsidecollectibles.com. One more time, check them out at Walmart or ringsidecollectibles.com and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast they're going to do a rematch the very next month at backlash and this seems to be one of their forgotten pay-per-view matches uh they also wrestled uh at the uh degeneration x pay-per-view in december of 97 
where Austin would pin rock in a few minutes to retain. But here at backlash is the main events for the world title, 17 minutes and seven seconds. And uh, earlier in the show, Shane McMahon is going to vow on the name of his beloved grandfather. that if Austin has rock pinned, he would count fairly. And Vince is mad, but Stephanie assured everyone that if Shane used Vince senior's name, he'd be fair. And I guess that sort of guaranteed that he wouldn't, you know, the story though, four and a half stars, ultimately uh, rock's going to hit Austin with the belt. Hebner's going to run out. Austin kicks out. Austin then hits the stunner and a belt shot. This time Hebner counts three Austin retains, but afterwards Vince comes to the ring with Austin's belt, the smoking skull, if you will, doesn't hand him the belt, but puts it on the mat for Austin to pick up and celebrate. Then the ministry are backstage where Vince's limo is where Stephanie was. And the cops tell the say that, uh, or the cops tell the driver to drive away. Stephanie doesn't want to leave until her dad comes back. And as the show ends, we get that famous shot where it's the undertaker behind the wheel. So maybe that's the reason it's forgotten because of the big undertaker finish, but four stars, uh, four and a quarter stars rather from Meltzer. He liked it even better than WrestleMania. Why do you think this is like the forgotten pay-per-view match? Is it because of the whole Stephanie Undertaker scene? Yeah, and I think that when you're looking at just matches, again, this is the argument. Story will outweigh, you know, just matches every day of the week. Right. So to the mass audience and, and the mass viewer, they were more interested in the story and they remembered the story. You're usually going to remember the last thing you see. So going back to take her driving away in the limousine, that's, that's what they remembered. Talk to me a little bit about the decision to not put the belt back on the rock here. I'm always curious, the sort of theories about business. You've told us before that the WWF was a babyface territory, meaning you don't have a heel champion and baby faces chasing after him. Like we saw with flair and Crockett. Instead, we have a baby face Hulk Hogan or ultimate warrior or Brent Hart or Shawn Michaels or whatever. But we tried to change some things up here. Did you guys think that it was better for business? If Austin was the champ or if Austin had something to rebel against, since he was sort of playing the everyman character and the underdog and everybody hates their boss. That doesn't feel like necessarily he would be the champion. He would be the guy chasing. And then, and then your story though becomes the boss trying to fuck him out of the title and your hero every step of the way. It's almost like, uh, the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, Coyote, uh, <laughs> Wiley Coyote. So now you've got the, the champion who's dodging every attempt by the owner to, to fuck him out of it. So let's turn him sort of to him being Vince, Mr. McMahon, a little tweener ish and ha, you know, tell the story of, okay, you hate the guy, but you don't want anything to happen to anybody's daughter. So maybe that's the way they can sort of reconcile. I mean, the story makes sense. The next night on raw, the show opens with the rock doing an interview and he starts ripping on Shane for screwing up the match. Shane didn't back down calling the rock a piece of monkey crap. Rock's about to go after him, but he winds up hitting Triple H in China before the corporation overpowers him and Shane beats him up. And then Shane fires him. And The Rock challenges Shane to a match later in the show. 
And a few months before the rock turned heel and joined the corporation at survivor series, he's extremely popular. I mean, I think you could argue that it was, you know, one, a one B with Austin being a and rock being B for the most popular performer in the show, but he turns heel. And now right after WrestleMania, even though he's still a heel, he's still getting fans cheering him here. Do you kick him out of the corporation because you've just got to listen to the audience and they don't want him. He's got, I mean, they don't want him as a heel that they want to cheer for him. I think that's a part of it. And also there's also a part of this was kind of fly by the seat of our pants. This was during a time of, of some erratic booking and not really knowing where you're going to go the next week and just kind of going with the flow and saying, okay, shit, they're buying rock. Well, let's turn rock. And then we can do this and then we can do that. And, you know, during this era, there wasn't a whole lot of advertisement. You wouldn't find out what the hell was going to be on the pay-per-view until the Monday before a lot of times. Right. So it just was a different time as far as booking goes and a different time as far as the presentation. And there, there was a little bit of, well, not a little bit. There's a lot more of back and forth and let's turn this guy. Let's turn that guy and see where we end up. Let's keep it moving here. Um, later in this same show, we've got rock and Shane barely going a minute before the main street posse comes in. Everybody else runs in too. But the main thing coming out of this raw is the rock is now turned. He is firmly a baby face. And we're going to transition right into a feud with triple H. This reignites their feud. They had the prior year. Uh, ultimately the rock would beat uh, triple H at SummerSlam for the intercontinental title. And it feels like, you know, the rocks on the fast track to be the world champion then, you know, winning that in August and then the world title in November. Well, they're going to square off here at over the edge on pay-per-view May 23rd at camper arena in Kansas city. Sadly, this is the night that we all remember more about Owen Hart than anything else. Um, rock wrote about this. He says, I was backstage in the dressing room, going over details of my match with triple H in China. We're talking, moving around, trying to figure out how to make the match memorable. When Sergeant slaughter walked in the room and said, Owen is hurt. I looked at Hunter then looked at Sarge and said, Oh, come on. Are you serious? You ribbon. And Owen was known for his pranks. And I thought maybe this is just another example of his twisted sense of humor. No, Sarge said, it looks pretty bad. They're working on him in the middle of the ring. I went straight to the curtain. As I reached the gorilla position where everyone was gathered, I could see the shock on their faces, the disbelief. People were crying, hugging. And then it hit me. This is real. I walked up to the curtain and looked out. The EMTs were working on Owen in the middle of the ring, giving him CPR. The crowd was on his feet, absolutely silent. And I thought, my God, that's my friend. I have to go out there. I turned around and Vince McMahon was standing there watching everything on the monitors. He was in shock, just like everyone else. Vince, I said, I want to go out there. What do you think? And Vince just stared at me with a look on his face that seemed to say rock. That's entirely up to you. After a few moments though, Vince spoke, If you go out there, rock. The people are really going to react to you. They may think this whole thing is a work. So I waited anxiously, helplessly by the curtain until they wheeled Owen through on a stretcher. One of the EMTs was straddling Owen, pumping his chest, desperately administering CPR. I walked alongside them and said a prayer as I looked at Owen's face. And then I helped load the stretcher into the ambulance. I climbed into the passenger side of the vehicle and looked in the back where they were working furiously on Owen. I kept praying that God would save my friend's life. 
man, that's hard to read back. Um, Owen and rock were great friends. Rock has said over the years, you know, how quickly and, and how nice Owen took to him and treated to him when he became a WWE performer. How big of a deal was this to the rock? I mean, later in this same show, he's going to go out and wrestle a match with triple H. I just can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, um, very hard on everybody. And I remember rock pounding on the ambulance, telling them to go. And they were per law and per the, whatever the protocol with the ambulance, there had to be another ambulance there before that ambulance could leave and all this other shit. Um, they, they left and I would, I would probably say that big reason that they left as quickly as they did was because I think rock scared them enough thinking that he was going to rip somebody out of that and, and drive the ambulance himself. And that's not an exaggeration. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was intense and, and it was, um, you know, it was tough on everybody. And I know rock, I flew, um, from Calgary to Chicago with, uh, with rock and Danny after the funeral. Um, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was, it was really, 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 really tough. And that was something that hit rock, especially hard. As we mentioned, uh, rock goes out and has to wrestle triple H rock wins by DQ, but who cares? That's not what anybody remembers about that show. Uh, the next month it's King of the ring. We're cranking out monthly pay-per-views here. Rock once again, finds himself in the world title picture. He's going to challenge. The new world champion, the undertaker for the title and undertaker pins rock in 19 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, it's an okay match. It gets a star and a half. Uh, there is a, a big ref bump. Undertaker's going to win with the tombstone. Triple H is involved. What'd you think? You know, I thought, I thought it was okay. Um, Rock and Undertaker didn't have the best chemistry, did they? That's what I was just going to say. It, it was it was kind of clumsy. Which is weird yeah. because that's not what you would say about those guys with any other opponent. But here it just, you know, you always say, oh, you're not comparing apples to apples. It's not even apples and oranges. It's apples and pomegranates. Well, that's sort of what this feels like. Like, I know these are both fruits, but I don't know if this goes together. Yeah, they and they were both so great. Um but for whatever reason, the styles, the, the stories inside the ring did not seem to gel. It just didn't didn't go together and didn't didn't mesh well. So it was um yeah, not the greatest. Not the greatest. And and it felt forced. It's the best way to, to explain it. You know, it's been said over the years that for better or worse, Sean Waltman was sort of the measuring stick of whether or not guys could go. So when a new guy comes into the company, Hey, stick him in there with the kid. And if one, two, three can get a match out of him, we'll know what we got. 
And we've heard over the years, sometimes Waltman would come through the curtain and write to gorilla and say, he ain't got it. Or, Hey man, that guy's good. Was the undertaker sort of that guy on some level? Because it does feel like when we're playing a little bit of hokey pokey with the rock, I mean, we've used him in a lot of places. He's been the white meat baby face. He's been a part of a faction. He's been a bad guy. He's been a good guy. Uh, he's been a mid card guy. He's been a top guy. There ain't no doubt in 99, the undertaker is the main event. He's a top guy. If you have a bad match with the undertaker, does that necessarily bring your future into question a little bit? Or is everybody quick to say, ah, maybe they just don't click. No, you have to, you have to judge the individuals, um, on their own merit. So from that perspective, I think that a lot of people saw that, eh, you know what? I mean, not, not everybody's going to jive and they just didn't jive. All right. Let's run a timeout right now. I want to tell you something you might not already know. Did you know that up to 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut or that supporting the immune system through proper diet and digestive health enables our pets to better fight environmental allergies. Solid gold is passionate about gut health because a healthy digestive system positively impacts the immune system and overall wellness of pets. Solid Gold, by the way, was the world's first holistic pet food company in America. Started in 1974 by Sissy McGill. Sissy was a trailblazer and a pioneer who disrupted a very much male-dominated, oriented industry and created a natural pet food before it was cool. And Sissy, of course, was inspired by European pet food and the fact that those European Great Danes outlived their American counterparts. Her first recipe has now provided high-quality nutrition and digestive health for more than 20 generations of dogs, including your dog, who you claim is the official something to wrestle dog. They're rocking some solid gold. And specifically you tell me they love the 100% human grade bone broth. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. First of all, Dodger, the wonder dog is the official dog of something to wrestle with. And he will not. Okay. Won't eat his food unless he's got his bone broth in there. He loves treats from Solid Gold. I think that he knows when we get our packages because that's when he's at his happiest. And for my wife, Dodgers, look, Dodgers got a little bit of a, of a heart issue right now. He's older. And the only thing that we're allowed to feed him is Solid Gold products. So I stand behind him. This is not a... Yeah, it is an ad, but this is an honest God testimonial to tell you that solid gold pet products are the absolute best out there. There's nothing added. It's made for dogs. It's made for cats. And if you're a dog lover like I am, you're going to feed your dog nothing else. It's, it's worth mentioning. Uh, when you guys were in Houston for the last several years, your wife, Stephanie had dedicated her life to helping animals. And whenever we get a sponsor like this. Uh, we can't just go read the ad. Stephanie has to sniff it out, so to speak, and make sure that this is the right stuff. And she was on board right away with solid gold. Was she not? Well, not only did she do her research and looked it up and found out all about the company and found out about what they put into their dog food. Once we did it, it had to, it had to go through, as you say, the sniff test, but then it went to the dog test and we've got three dogs. They all love it. They get nothing else but, and even when I don't get my care packages, it's the only thing that comes into this house and goes into our dogs because 
they love it and it's good for them and it's the best thing that you can be feeding solid gold's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our pets mind body and spirit they've been doing this for more than 45 years solid gold has just revolutionized the holistic pet food category They've got a recipe for any dog or any cat's dietary needs, including healthy whole grain and grain-free options, wet food, supplements like sea mail, and of course, Roger Dodger's favorite 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. And by the way, these foods are different from solid gold because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, they balance it out with living probiotics, and they fuel with omega-3 and six fatty acids, all supporting gut health and nourishing your pet both inside and out. And right so now, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Okay. You want to know what I'm going to do? Please tell me. Right now, you can save 30% on select Solid Gold products. And all you got to do is go to solidgoldpet.com slash Russell. That's solidgoldpet.com slash Russell to save 30% on select Solid Gold products. Remember, Solid Gold Pet dot com slash Russell make your dog happy make your significant other happy because when you open up that bone broth and your dog's tail starts wagging like crazy they're gonna thank you and you'll be glad you did just go to solidgoldpet.com slash Russell save 30% on select items next month it's fully loaded the rock is gonna wrestle triple h in a number one contender strap match lord there's a lot of stipulations here this year Oh yeah. Russo. Uh, the winner is going to go to SummerSlam and get a world title match. Ultimately it's not the rock triple H beats the rock to earn a title shot in a strap match, 19 minutes and 21 seconds. It gets three and a quarter stars. We should mention that the rock really steals the show with an interview before the match. And this is the era where we saw in the same time frame, triple H do the old sit down interviews with Jr. I guess about a year prior. And now he is sort of trying to separate himself from some of the DX stuff and some of the silliness and become the main event and become the game. And it's interesting that we've got so many guys sort of leveling up here, specifically Hunter and rock, maybe rock beat him there the prior year, but now it feels like it's Hunter's time. Not without a little bit of help. Of course, China's there. And, uh, believe it or not, Billy Gunn gets involved and, uh, rock's going to give Billy Gunn the rock bottom, but that allows triple H to hit the pedigree triple H wins. And now triple H is on to work in the main event for the world title. And the rock's going to work with Billy Gunn. Now, Lord knows I'm not disparaging Billy Gunn, big jacked up dude, great pedigree, great wrestler, et cetera, et cetera. But you got to wonder coming off the heels of the main event of, of WrestleMania with Steve Austin. And now I'm not in the title picture for SummerSlam. Instead, I've lost at a couple of pay-per-views in a row. And now I'm working with admittedly the new King of the ring, Billy Gunn. Does rock see this as a demotion or instead, does he see it as a vote of confidence of, Hey, the office really needs me to help get this guy over as a single rock hated it. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to explain it. I mean, rock hated it. Um, did he see it as a demotion? He saw it as 
not a demotion, but okay. I'm the guy that has to get this guy over. Right. And not like I'm over, go put me on top. And instead I'm putting the role of trying to get this, this guy over. And I don't know that, and I don't know that rock really had the confidence in Billy. This was a time where we were looking to, uh, get a singles run out of Billy and see what the hell he had. You know, it was, it was away from the tag team with road dog and, uh, he's on his own and see what he can do. And as we, we've discussed previously and talked about the new age outlaws and the ups and downs there, this just didn't work. And I don't know if it was from being a tag team guy that, there's a different cardio level for tag team guys. And and I say that about a guy who is one of the most, uh, in shape, amazing athletes, just natural athlete ever in the business and Billy Gunn. Um, but I don't know that his pacing and his timing and everything was right for a single run. I know it sounds weird, but it just, it, it wasn't. And it wasn't the same being a single as he was much better with a partner. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you look at, no, there's not, it's just, it's a different lot, man. Yeah. I mean, we could go on and on and make a big list of guys who were like that, but that's the thing. Like when you, and we've talked about this before, Billy Gunn is his size is deceptive. I don't think people think about him and Hulk Hogan being the same size, but they are. I think Billy might even be taller and just as Jack, like it's hard to poke holes in his presentation as a main eventer, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't clicking. And, um, well, I mean, the rock kind of buried him a little bit in promos. And I know he did that to everybody in this era, but it felt especially brutal when he did it to Billy Gunn, like this isn't even in my notes. I just remember him having the conversation with quote unquote, God, and it's Billy, that whole thing. Did you, I mean, everybody's laughing during the promo, but did you think, well, he's fucking dead. No, it was, it was really okay. Here's your opportunity. I'll come out of it and, and go out and, and deliver, but the audience wasn't ready for him. And I don't know that Billy was ready for, for the push at that time. Um, I mean, you couldn't really go live. I mean, again, I'm not trying to disparage Billy Gunn. I'm a fan. Nice guy, by the way, too, but I'm just saying how many people could really go in there and verbally spar back and forth with the rock. Sure. There's a handful, but that's the end. There's just a handful. So it's not like you could even say, all right, Billy, now you go out there and ether him. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, that that's again, a testament to the writing. That's a testament to the delivery and that's a testament to the talent. Rock had the talent to go out and do that. Whatever was written for him, he would make his own and yeah, it's, it's, not even fair. It's kind of taking a slingshot to a gunfight. Well, they try this 
verbal back and forth on August 9th with another young upstart, the debuting Chris Jericho. And a lot of people think this is one of the best debuts in WWE history. Would you agree with that? The way you guys did the countdown for the Y2J thing. And then it's Jericho interrupting a rock promo. Do you think that's one of the best debuts? I do. I thought it was excellent. And it was uh, huge. But everybody was talking about it. One of my, uh, my brother, Chris, who was someone that didn't really follow the business, um, could repeat almost every line of that promo and, and kept talking about the guy with the stupid ponytail on top of his head. Right. So people, people got it and they enjoyed it and remembered it. It was a moment. Um, Brock and Jericho are going to go back and forth. I mean, what do you think the raw, I mean, in hindsight, we've talked about this on our Jericho show, but in hindsight, was this the right thing for Jericho to do? We just talked about how hard it is to verbally joust back and forth, but that is sort of what we saw Jericho do in WCW that helped level him up in 98. But in reality, that's a tall ask. And I think the rock got the better of him that night. And I think most everybody at home would agree. I don't agree. I think Jericho held his own. I think that Chris went out there and did sit there and did go back and forth and did hold his own and didn't shit the bed. I think there, I think there's people that would disagree with that, but I stand by it. I think that Jericho is remembered for that night by a lot of people and Jericho was able to hang in there and do it. He didn't shit the bed. He came right back the next week and did the same thing again. Let's, uh, let's talk about SummerSlam 99 where the rock is going to officially bury Billy Gunn forever. I'm sorry. Uh, the rock wrestles Billy Gunn in a kiss my ass match, or as it was referred to, uh, in some commercials that weren't as liberal as the USA network, a kiss my backside match. And Billy Gunn comes out with a, uh, this is directly from the observer. Billy Gunn comes out with a short, very large woman under a sheet and said when he won rock would have to kiss her ass and not his, uh, they brawl some on the outside of the ring gun hits uh, rock with the ring bell gun counters a rock bottom and uses a neck breaker. Rock winds up with a bloody nose and makes a comeback with a float over DDT. Gunn finally uses his Famouser and went to rub Rock's mouth on the woman's ass as she lifted up a fairly short dress and showed these huge panties. And during the match, Lawler and Ross kept speculating what kind of underwear this large, scary woman was wearing. Rock reverses things and shoves Gunn's face in her ass and then hits the rock bottom and the people's elbow for the pin. Quote, Reports are that rock was very upset working with gun midway through the match. And this contributed to a somewhat disappointing match. A fact, he pretty much pretty much made well clear on television the next night. And when he tried to categorize gun with Gangrel and even Brooklyn brawler as wrestlers at the level that he should never be booked with two and three quarter stars, my God, what a moment in time. Not only are you not winning. Hey, congratulations. You're the king of the ring. So glad we're getting you this big singles push. I know you're a very decorated tag team wrestler, but now you're the man, you're the king of the ring and we're putting you with a top guy. Hey, look, there's the rock and you're the ass man. 
Well, we're going to get that over. We're going to put you in a kiss my ass match. Oh, by the way, you're losing and we're going to shove your head in this lady's ass. And then tomorrow we're going to compare you to the fucking Brooklyn brawler. Yeah. <laughs> help Congratulations. Me, help me understand how this happens. It didn't work. I mean, it just didn't work. And I think that the, the confidence in Billy's single run quickly, quickly diminished. It wasn't, um, and it wasn't just this match. It was leading up to it as well. And when you look at the two, the two talents, where are you, where are you going to invest? And you're going to go, you're going to invest in rock. And unfortunately for Billy at that point, that that's where it lay. Um, I think that that was a lot of times a shortcoming of Russo of, of let's, you know, you, if you book it, they will come. Um, it just didn't, not everybody just because you book them in that position should be in that position. And I think for Billy to succeed that maybe after King of the ring, he, probably should have worked with someone else and, and built to that, but put, being put right in with rock and being put right into that position of not just top guy, but mega top guy and not being able to run with them. It's, it's, it's a tough crowd. Save with Conrad.com makes saving money fast and easy. Don't take my word for it. Just ask Justin in Ashland, Kentucky. He said, very personable, always available. Derek was great and always there when I had questions. Plus, I saved a bunch of money compared to my previous loan, five stars. Tyson in Long Beach, California says, save with Conrad was great. Give Derek a raise. Matthew in Richmond, Pennsylvania says, save with Conrad.com was very easy to work with, trustworthy, friendly, and responsive. Michael in Brunswick, Ohio says, Save with Conrad.com was very responsive. Everything was smooth, no hassle, no BS. Linda in Connecticut left a five-star review and said, we're going to save her more than $75,000. But how much can you save? Find out right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Make it happen for your family right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Does Vince have his own opinion? I mean, does Vince form the opinion all on his own? I mean, as to who's a top guy and who's not, or does he have guys that are sort of in his cabinet, if you will, and say, oh man, this guy, this, or that guy, that. Can he be influenced? I guess my question is, clearly he saw something and Billy Gunn, or we wouldn't have gotten this far when, sure when, when rock comes back through the curtain, is he in Vince's ear saying, God damn it. Don't fucking make me do this again. The guy bloodied my nose. The match fucking sucked. He sh I shouldn't be working with him. I don't know if he did or not, but I think that anybody that watched it could have seen that. Right. So, you know, Vince is always going to make the, the final decision. And yes, people are going to give their opinions on it, but a blind man could have seen it. Well, I'm not arguing that, but I guess and I'm not, point. and I'm also not, but I'm not putting all the blame on Billy. I think that, of course not. 
a lot of it goes to the booking and a lot of it goes to the creative from the standpoint of, could we have done this differently? And the answer is yes. And we should have taken Billy and built him and taken our time with it uh, before just saying, all right, Billy's going to be a single. He's going to be Mr. Ass. We're going to give him a push. But by God, let's put him in there with the top guy right away. And that, and now you're automatically comparing him to, you know, number one A and one B in the company. I think he need he had a little bit more growing to do to be put in that position. So it's poor booking on our part. Let's. Uh, I guess what I'm fascinated by is, you know, oh, anybody could see that watching the match. Why didn't we think that about the rock when he had a bad match with the undertaker? I guess that's my point. The rock can go have a bad match with the undertaker. And it's like, oh, well, those guys just don't click. But when because the, rock, the rock and undertaker proven themselves previously with a lot of other people, but Billy Gunn had as a tag wrestler for over a decade, as a tag wrestler, not as a single, no, not over a decade, Absolutely a not. Time. Okay. Absolutely not. And, and even after that proved that, you know, maybe he's better off in a tag. Oh man, we got to do another show on this sometime soon. By the way, the next night on, on raw rock does pin gangrel. And then during the mankind triple H title match, he comes out and does commentary and he's asking who's booking this crap regarding his recent matches. Triple H winds up hitting the rock with a chair while rock is at the commentary table. And then triple H ends up pinning mankind to win his first world title. It's a big deal for triple H. He's the world champ and the rocks on commentary. So he's at least in the game. On the first episode of the new weekly show SmackDown on August 26th, Triple H is going to beat The Rock to retain the world title when guest referee Shawn Michaels is going to superkick The Rock, allowing Triple H to get the win. And after this, we saw the unlikely team of Rock and Mankind form, and they end up becoming known as the Rock and Sock Connection. And on the August 30th Raw, they win the world tag team titles from Undertaker and Big Show. But before we talk about Rock and Sock, I want to talk about the rock and Shawn Michaels. This has become a legendary story through a series of shoot interviews. And I think rocks own dad, Rocky Johnson told a little bit of a story of how once upon a time, uh, Shawn Michaels and the rock didn't exactly see eye to eye backstage, maybe over some political wrangling. If you believe the rumor and innuendo, do you remember there being any sort of uh, disagreement or agreeing to disagree between the two? I don't, they didn't like each other. Why do you think that is? Um, ego, uh, just they're com- especially, you know, back then completely different people. Right. So it was, yeah, it, it, I don't think that, uh, Sean saw a whole lot in rock at the time and rock didn't really like Sean. So it was, it was just oil and water at the time. They didn't, they did not mesh. They did. (laughs) They, some people just didn't, didn't like each other. It's, uh, it's worth exploring further some other time. Let's talk about rock and sock. I don't know that there's a bigger utility player, maybe in the history of wrestling, maybe Bobby Heenan, but God. Whatever you need Mick Foley to do, he's in it and he's going to make it work. We just tried this with two years prior with Steve Austin. It 
Steve Austin and, and dude love. And now here we are doing the same thing again with the, the rock and sock connection. Whose idea was is this all Russo's creative and do both of the guys love it right away? I assume they've got whatever sort of hurt feelings there was in January patched up by this point. I, I don't know 100%. I think it was Mick Foley's idea or, you know, the German mix idea to say, Hey, what if, and kind of do the, it's very similar to what we did with Steve and Mick way back when and the mankind thing, but this was something that was going to hopefully have a little bit longer shelf life. And both guys that they had a chemistry, they had shown that they had a chemistry working against each other. So the rock and sock connection became, <laughs> you know, here, here's the, here's the other side of that coin. These two guys had chemistry and made magic together, whether they were against one another or working with each other, always highly entertaining and always ready to step up to the plate. Pretty remarkable that this hit as well as it did. We should mention, even though they won the titles on the 30th, they're going to lose them on September 7th on SmackDown in a buried alive match back to undertaker and big show. Triple H is going to interfere. By the way, if you haven't already, uh, check it out on YouTube, Mick Foley on the inside the ropes channel tells a hilarious story about the very first buried alive match and how, while the pay-per-view went off with the under the lightning strike from the scoreboard and the undertaker's hand coming up from the grave, that has, that is how the pay-per-view ended, but the show didn't end. They kept other matches for the live crowd, which is just hysterical. You've got to go see Mick Foley. Tell that story. I laughed out loud this week, watching it on YouTube. So shout out to Foley and friend of the show, uh, from inside the ropes, you know, our main man, come on. On the September 20th raw, the rock and sock connection won the titles back in a dark side rules match against big show viscera and Midian three days later on SmackDown. What do you know? The new age outlaws have reunited and they beat rock and mankind to win the tag titles. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> well, at least he got the win back, right? Well, he's back where he belonged. A few days later on the September 27th, raw Foley and rock do the famous, or maybe it's infamous. This is your life segment. And this is the famous segment where they call out a series of people from the rocks past. Mick Foley's got it all arranged. They've got a sixth grade teacher. They're going to call her Mrs. Griffith on the graphic. They call her Mrs. Schubert. Um, they say she's the home ec teacher. But on the graphic, she's an English teacher and the rock was getting back at her because she never let him make pancakes. Then they bring out a coach rock is mad at him because he made the rock run laps, uh, all because he gave an opposing player a DDT. Then they bring out his high school sweetheart who never let rock get any of that poontang pie. That's just real. And then mankind pulls a sock with rocks face out and calls it Mr. Rocco Socko. And brought out jackets for him as rock to dress as the rock and sock connection. And then finally, they bring out the woman from the, the clown skit the prior year when Vince McMahon was in the hospital. Yerple. And, uh, Foley gets mad at rock for insulting the clown lady. And, uh, he hits her with the yo, it doesn't matter what your name is. 
Then they bring out a birthday cake and rock says, wait a minute, my birthday's in May. And then triple H comes out with a sledgehammer and that brings things to an end. And it is a merciful end because let me tell you, even though this is an 8.4 rating, you heard me right. An 8.4 rating, which is the highest rated segment ever in raw history up to this point, an 8.4, this segment goes 14 minutes. I think everyone agrees it went too long. This was not good. And I know that people, you know, still look back at this with rose colored glasses. Go watch this tomorrow. This was not good. It just goes on and on and on. And you're waiting for something big to happen. And it kind of never really does. what did you think of the segment? And when did you know, I'm sure you hated this. Actually, you were probably on headsets time in the show and thought it was going way too fucking long. I've never watched it since I watched it live that night. <laughs> um, I was so pissed off and you're pissed off at the rock or you pissed off at Foley or everybody. I was pissed off at Russo. I was pissed off at rock. I was pissed off at Foley. I was pissed off at anybody that was standing in front of me. Um, it, it went, Dude, I, I don't. It went more than fourteen minutes. I think it went fourteen minutes heavy. Oh, right, right, right. Where it's allotted time. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so, my, my apologies. You're right. It went. You had a planned allotted time. It went fourteen minutes longer than it should have. So think about that. You've got all these different segments that are time blocked, hard breaks for commercials, for advertisers, other stories you're trying to fit in, other matches, and all of that has to be changed now on the fly. You're exactly right. My my mistake. I misspoke. 14 minutes long. Yeah. Um, bad. And here's the thing. Okay, great. Uh, after the fact did a great rating, but the effect that it had on the rest of the television show was horrendous because now you're having two and three minute segments and people matches are getting cut and things are getting cut. Essentially they went two segments over. And that is probably one of my, you know, pet peeves a lot of times with, with the writers, um, you know, Russo didn't care. He didn't have to, he didn't have to rewrite it and he didn't have to fix it. It was, oh, 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 well, it was great, bro. Um, no, it really wasn't great. And the after effect that it has on the rest of the show and other talent and talent are pissed off. And you're live. There's only so much you can do. So, um, yeah, I was pissed off at Rock. I was pissed off at Mick. I was pissed off at everybody. Cause I just didn't think it was good. I didn't think that, um, it was disrespectful to the rest of the talent on the show. It was disrespectful to, to those of us that had to fix it. It's like, okay, great. I just, you know, I just write it and then go out and do it, do whatever the hell they want. But then everything else, it screws everything else up down the line. And that's when they, Oh, well, not my fault. I don't have to fix it. Well, fuck you. Somebody does. So I thought it was very disrespectful and I, I just didn't think I, and plus it wasn't good. My opinion. I'm sure. There's millions that loved it. It's an unbelievably fun. Listen at adfreeshows.com. 
Here's a clip. Brian Gwertz in later years would, when we talk about Hillbilly Jim, would, would say, could Hillbilly dress more like a Hillbilly and not a strip club manager? Because in later years, God bless old Jim, he would kind of dress like a strip club manager. Yeah. Yeah, he would. Great guy, Hillbilly Jim, though. Absolutely one of my favorite folks in the whole wide world. What's he do now? A strip club manager. Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> See, listen, we can get our Abbott and Costello routine going again. You just got to fuck around and get fired one more time. Well, <laughs> man, if that doesn't get you going, I don't know what will available now at adfreeshows.com. Where, by the way, you would have gotten this show early in ad free. It all starts at just $9 a month. Check out everything available right now at adfreeshows.com. You'll be glad you did. It was fucking terrible. Go watch it again today. Tomorrow. No, I will never watch it. Not you. Everybody listening. I don't have that much. I don't have that much time, Conrad. I could be sleeping. That's true. Has the dream water kicked in yet? I haven't taken it. Good. You told me not to. Oh, you all, you'd never listen to me. It's not like you're listening to me now. That's all I do, man. Uh, that takes us you, you sure that takes us to the unforgiven pay-per-view it goes down September 26th. Rock finds himself on a six pack challenge for the vacant world title. Vince has uh triple H beaten for the title and then forfeits it. Steve Austin is the referee. It's hard to imagine. This is a thing. Helmsley's going to win the six pack match. It's uh Kane, mankind, rock, big show and Davy boy Smith. Yes. That Davy boy, 20 minutes, 28 seconds. Austin's going to come out to do commentary. Jimmy Corderas is the referee. Pretty good main event. Uh, lots of stuff going on here. Three and a half stars. Davy boy is going to hit the rock with a chair. Austin hits Davy boy with a chair, but triple H is going to use the pedigree on rock and Austin begrudgingly counts the pin after the match. Of course, triple H catches a stunner. Everybody goes home. Happy a six pack challenge here. I get Kane part of the corporate ministry. I get mankind well-established here. I get rock and big show. Obviously we get triple H. Davy boy. Yeah. Vince. Uh, how about the, the, the fucking bulldog? Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. The fucking, uh, his arms are fucking, uh, God damn. He's in shape. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Davy needed a job, and look, you know, I, I I do believe, and even at this time, I think Davy Boy was one of those guys who was a top guy and and could pretty much plug into anything. Did he fit here? No, <laughs> no, uh, not gonna argue that. But it was it was a name, and I think it was an acceptable name. Ah, <sighs> it is a name. Meltzer reports at one point, there was a plan for rock to beat triple H for the title on September 27th in Greensboro, but triple H complained loudly enough that the idea was next. I know you're going to blow a gasket because I just said Meltzer's name, but did triple H's influence start to grow in this era? I'm not going to ask you if that really happened because I know what you're going to say. But is this the era where you started to see him attending production meetings and Sort of ease. No, in this I don't way. think he was. No, God, no, he wasn't attending production meetings at this time. Not even close. Ninety nine. No, not even remotely close. 
Um, but yeah, he spoke up and he, he was a, a top guy and, and the champion. And that was the move. We had elevated him and took a shot. And the same people that complain about his push 10, 20 years later were the same people that were complaining about Austin's push and saying, why aren't you pushing triple H? Right. Well, here's the thing, you know, for whatever reason, um, a lot of folks, well, I, I don't even have to say for whatever reason we get it. You start to think, well, there's gotta be some nepotism here. If he's canoodling with Stephanie, and I'm not saying that's even happening in this era. I'm just saying, it wasn't. well, we know how it wound up. And I think a lot of people just raise an eyebrow and say, Hey, there's gotta be more to it than that. And I also think that because the other guy's the rock, you think, well, why would they side against the rock? But in this era, even though the rock is a giant star, he's still somewhat of an emerging star. It's not like he's the rock today. He's not the biggest movie star in the world yet. And so was Hunter. Right. That's my point is these guys, you know, maybe the, you know, you go back to the prior SummerSlam, not 99, but 98, you could have flipped a coin as to who you guys were going to go with. Are you going to go with the rock? Or are you going to go with triple H? You went with the rock first, but now it is very much triple H's turn. And we get more of that on October 2nd in Birmingham, England. You guys run the rebellion pay-per-view It's rock and triple H in a world title cage match. And triple H is going to retain 20 minutes and 33 seconds. Rock gets a huge ovation, tons of interference in the match, along with some juice. Um, three and three quarter stars. Vince is involved. Davy boy Smith's involved because you know, you're in Birmingham. Fucking a Davy boy. What'd you think of, uh, listen, not a lot of huge stuff usually happened at these UK pay-per-views, but they put on some great matches and great shows and it furthered the storyline, but you didn't, if you missed it in America, you didn't necessarily miss much, uh, except for that whole one night only thing where you guys dedicated the European title match to Davy boy's dying sister and then beat him. <laughs> Talked about that before still tickles me. Uh, rock and triple H here though, you know, it's been said for years and years. Yes. Hogan was big worldwide, but Brett was another level in the UK. When rock comes out to a huge pop like this, do you think shit, maybe he's our next Brett over here? Well, I think that good God, he, he was much bigger than Brett. <laughs> no, I, this was the rocks popularity. You know, it was funny about rock sometimes if you tried to make rock a heel the audience wanted him to be a baby face the right. longer he was a baby face the more they wanted him to be a heel now i think that i really do believe that for the most part he's universally loved just because he's the rock and he's genuine and has an unbelievable work ethic uh, we didn't know that then and he was just entertaining and just had a way about him that Audiences dug. They they just want just entertain me. They didn't care whether they loved him or hated him. They they were entertained by him. Let's keep it moving here and let's talk about what's next. The October fourth Raw. We see the Rock pin Jericho with the People's Elbow. Fast forward a little bit. He's going to team up with Mankind to win the tag titles for the third and final time after beating the New Age Outlaws on the October twelfth SmackDown. They lose them to the Hollies on October 18th. You know, this is the era where belts are changing hands on a somewhat weekly basis. Fucking all over the place. But every time rock and mankind had the tag belts, 
three times, by the way, very brief, short reigns. Is it just because Russo felt like this crash TV? They won't call it bro. Is that, is that sort of the thinking? It's not like there's a, okay. Not really a lot of rhyme or reason to it, bro. The Hollies, they'll think it's a squash. Yeah. And you know, that kind of shit, which they, they sure as hell didn't think that. Well, from there, oh, wait a minute. Let's talk about that. I just realized what happened here. Bob Holly is going to help beat the rock and mankind in the same match. Was that his idea? Bob Holly's idea. I got an idea. <laughs> How about I take the title? And then what? I beat everybody. From now, <laughs> but thankfully rock is back in the world title picture. He's scheduled to wrestle the world champion, triple H and Steve Austin in a triple threat match at survivor series for the title. Of course, we know what's coming. Austin, since he's bald and has a goatee, they hit that motherfucker with a car. And he's going to be out of the match and out of the ring until October of 2000. He's out getting a neck surgery. Big show is put into Austin's place in the match. So you know what that means? He's going to win the world heavyweight title. 16 minutes and 15 seconds, two and a half stars. Shane McMahon is involved here wearing a referee shirt. Vince is going to show up looking stern to save the day after DX attacks the rock, but he hits triple H with the belt, missing the first time as a tease connecting the second and then show choke slams, triple H and gets the pin. is the thinking here. And you've told us some old school wrestling theories before that if you have to have a replacement, it needs to be better than the original. Well, that's impossible here because it was Steve Austin. So you have to go with the next best thing and let whoever the replacement is go over, right? Yeah, it's yes. The the answer is yes. And and not always, but in this particular situation, because no one thinks that's going to happen for the most part. So you, you go with the shock and awe of it all and always try to always try to have a better replacement and always try to give them something that they can't call in that replacement. And that, that was the idea here. Well, they were, they were in all it happened and it's got, it feels, I don't know, a little less than does it not without a doubt. I, I don't know that we could have done anything that would have been holy shit in replacing Austin. That's just, especially in this era that that was hard to do. Talk to me a little bit about, um, big show here. You know, I mean, he came in with a, and I know we're going to do way more on him some other time, but it does feel like for his first big world title win like this, I don't know, just feels like a missed opportunity. And, and I realize, you know, everybody's scrambling, looking for, some, I shouldn't say I realize, let me ask. You gotta be scrambling, looking for something. when you realize, God damn, our meal tickets out and we don't know when he's coming back. We got all these other guys, but we need to hurry up and fucking make another motherfucker. You just referred to the pillars, so to speak as the undertaker, triple H, the rock stone cold and mankind. And now you're down one. So we got to move somebody up, right? Sure. And you've got a hell of an investment in this giant. Literally, literally. And 
to make the giant an attraction and to make Big Show an attraction, you, you've got to do something with him. Um, you know, <laughs> Paul, good Lord, if Paul had been in the shape, Paul White, the, the, the giant, had he, had he been in the, the kind of shape that he got into in latter years, there would have been no stopping him. And I think that during this time, uh, Big Show was still smoking and uh, <laughs> not in the best shape. So it was the jury was still out, but you needed to do something different, needed needed to, to at least attempt it. It's uh, pretty crazy, man, that this all went down the way it did. Let's talk about the decision here. Did you know before you got to the building that day, y'all were going with Big Show? I mean, when you know that Austin's out, do you come up with it right then? Or is it something where day of the show, somebody says, what if we knew going in? No, we knew going in day of the show. Definitely. The decision was made and it was, we, we've got to, we've got to do something here. And that decision had already been made. The next night on raw, big boss man is going to beat the rock. That's right. The big boss man beats the rock in a hardcore match to determine the number one contendership. Rock's going to grab a camera and take a photo during the match. Lots of brawling through the crowd. He's even going to whip the boss man with Earl Hebner's belt. He uses the rock bottom on the stage. Prince Albert runs in, um, rock hits Albert with a chair. gives boss man, the people's elbow. Albert makes the save boss man gets the pin in four minutes and 41 seconds with that boss man slam. And the rock goes nuts, destroying boss man with a chain and Albert with a TV monitor. Everybody's bleeding. Rock also destroys Sergeant Slaughter, another referee, and even your brother, Dr. Tom. So we're seeing a badass version here of the rock. Is this to show the, the dark side, the mean side, the angry side? What are we trying to accomplish with the rock here in this segment? Well, I like to call that going Samoan. Okay. And rock did it. Rock did it pretty damn good. And this was an opportunity to just show an unhinged rock and holy shit, you piss this guy off. Well, what's going to happen? So yeah, that was, that was a going Samoan rock and be able to go out and beat everybody's ass. You then have completely forgotten that he just got pinned for one, two, three. Let's, uh, let's also mention what's next here. It's Armageddon. December 12th, Rock and Sock Connection reunited to challenge the New Age Outlaws for the tag titles. It's Rock and Mankind going over 16 minutes and 28 seconds. Meltzer would say it's a decent match with a weak finish. The fans were incredibly hot for Rock as they always are. At one point, Rock pulled Gunn's shirt over his head and pounced on him. And uh, fast forward, and we know what's coming. Um, Rock's going to start pounding on snow and gun hits mankind with the ring bell, but he kicks out of the pen for the near fall gun does a pile driver on mankind for another near fall mankind gets the hot tag to the rock who uses the rock bottom on Billy gun. Al snow interferes for the DQ mankind and snow brawled after the match and rock uses the rock bottom on both, both dog and snow. So it's a DQ win. And that brings. 1999 to a close for the rock an interesting year to say the least. I mean, you start off the year as world champ, drop it immediately. 
you're wrestling in the middle of halftime heat. You've got this historic win at Royal rumble with a crazy finish. You're on your way to quite the contest with stone cold, Steve Austin in the main event. They try some stuff with you over the summer. You don't like have a little fun with the famous, this is your life segment and the Jericho segment, but it doesn't feel like we can quite regain our footing. We had in the first half of the year. Do you think as we head into January, 2000, he's frustrated or does he know with Austin on the shelf, it's my time to shine. I think he's feeling it's his time to shine. And I think that everybody was kind of feeling that looking around the locker room. It's in my opinion, a fairly easy decision. And he's staring right at you. And there, there was, um, to me, there was, there was really was not another choice. I, uh, I can't wait to talk about 2000. I'm going to post the notes that we've got right now over to adfreeshows.com. I've got 38 pages worth. We're on page 20. So we're going to be back another time to cover rocks 2000. I'll try to squeeze it in by the end of the year. But as I said, we've got uh, honky talk man coming up next week. And there's lots more personality profiles coming your way, including Rick Martell at the end of the month. Our bonus episode we're trying to get to this month is Carrie Von Eric. Uh, but the next pay-per-view show will be September 18th and it's unforgiven 2005 real quick, Bruce, without looking it up. Do you remember the main event? Unforgiven 2005 JBL. That wasn't JBL and Eddie, was it? It's John Cena and Kurt angle. We've also got Shawn Michaels and Chris masters, oh. Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch against hurricane and Rosie. <laughs> So what you're saying is this one, I probably would like to forget. (laughs) There is good stuff on here, including Flair and Carlito, man, that promo that Flair cut backstage on Carlito, one of Flair's best from the era. Can't wait to talk about that. Uh, your boy, Shelton Benjamin is going to be taking on Kerwin white, uh, big shows in there with Snitsky, uh, Ashley Mazzaro and Trish Stratus are taking on Tori Wilson and Victoria. Yeah. There's lots of good stuff on this show. But Chris Masters and Shawn Michaels, oh, I can't wait for this. Shout out to Chris. I think he listens to the show, too. Uh, So lots of fun stuff coming your way. Of course, you're going to get all these shows early and ad-free. Bruce, I got tons of bonus topics that we can do this weekend. You think you've got a couple hours squirreled away for me. What do you want to talk about this weekend? SummerSlam 92, Miss Elizabeth, uh, Jacques Rougeau. I mean, you feeling something in particular? We'll do SummerSlam and Elizabeth at least. How's that? Oh, check it out, boys and girls. Adfreeshows.com. Get them early, get them ad free. And SummerSlam 92 and Miss Elizabeth are adfreeshows.com exclusives. Uh, we'll be back next week with Honky Tonk Man 2000. Easy for me to say. Honky Tonk Man. And another time we'll get to The Rock 2000. Uh, I'll find where we can squeeze it in. It'll happen sooner rather than later. Until next time, he is at Bruce Pritchard. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad, and we are out of time. See you next week right here with the Honky Tonk Man on Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard. Rock on! Now you're going to have some dream water? Now I'm going to have some dream water. Nighty night, Bruce. Get your Something to Wrestle gear at BrucePritchard.com and check out BoxaGimmicks.com, the official Something to Wrestle store. 
where you can find gimmicks for yourself or the fan in your life. New items added weekly. There's no better time to say I love you and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate stevensinger.com and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven's there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he's recently kicked everything up a notch to better service friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through a new virtual appointment, calls, texts, chats, emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he also offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning gifts that say, I love you every single day backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to, I hate fast, free and safe shipping. Steven singer jewelers. That's I hate I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. Good morning. Hey, this is Dave Silva. I'm calling from save with Conrad. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing great. I listen to you guys all the time. Actually. Oh, man, that's awesome. All five, five, all five podcasts. Okay, so what made you come to Save With Conrad in the first place? Uh, I was just looking to try to refinance my my home and try to get a, a better better deal on my home as well as try to cut out some of my, my credit card and uh, other debts that I had. And I had worked with worked with Derek, and he was he was amazing. Like he answered every question that that I needed answered, and he was able to answer those questions as quickly as possible. If he wasn't able to answer things, he would get back home to me within like within like an hour with with those answers. So he was just flat out amazing to work with. How much money was Save with Conrad able to save you? So they paid off my car, paid off several credit cards. I want to say in the long run, probably about thirty-five, forty thousand 40000 for sure. That's fantastic, man. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah, man. I, yeah, thank you for calling. I really appreciate your call. And like I said, um, I listen to you guys all the, all the time. I've listened to Conrad, ever, uh, Conrad Thompson ever since the Ric Flair show. So. <laughs> So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.